Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Ragnatalk, the limited prestige format podcast dedicated to the greatest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok. I'm Anthony Carboni, sitting across the internet from uh, a man mm-hmm. who just wears a slouchy beanie like no other. Just a slouchy beanie. I wish you guys beanie. could see this. It's a, strong, it's a strong bad beanie. It is a strong, strong bad, bad beanie. represent. You're showing all the other dads that you know about the internet. That's right. I knew. I knew all about the internet once upon a time. Once, once we were all very good at the internet, yep. and then the children came. Yeah, the internet was a nicer time then. I don't know if it was. Well, it was it just harder nicer. to see everything that was going on on it. Maybe, maybe that's the better. I mean, that's also <laughs> fine. I have like a materialist theory of this. You, you haven't been introduced oh, yet. Sorry, excuse me. God damn it. Fine. Max Temkin is here. He's one of the founders of Cards Against Humanity and host of the Dubai Friday podcast along with uh, Alex Cox and Merlin Mann. It's a wonderful podcast. He's an interrupter. Welcome. Thank you. We, 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 we've, uh, I don't think we've ever done an episode of Dubai Friday where we remembered to introduce our guests. So I applaud your professionalism on this uh, on this program. With, without professionalism, Max, uh, it becomes so, anarchy. So I have, a, I have like a materialist theory of why the internet got so much worse over time, which okay. is when it's okay. So when the internet started and it was like a you know a, a like a BBS system for universities to share papers or whatever, mm-hmm. you had to be both smart and rich to have a computer and talk to other people on computers. As it should be. Go on. (laughs) And then you skip about 10. And that's, you know, that's like, what, the 80s. And then you skip to the 90s. And in the 90s, you don't have to be rich. Like, computers start to get cheap enough that regular people can have them in their houses. But you still have to be smart. Like, it was incredibly nerdy to, like, be a computer user in the 90s. And you had to, like read magazines. And I used stuff. to understand the commands yeah. to send to a modem. Yeah. Yeah. So right. you, you had to be smart still. And then there was still like things got weird, but you, there was still some code of honor among, you know, people. I, I don't know. Like it was just like you had, you had like some sort of like group that was all using this thing together. A smaller, a smaller group is easier. A smaller tribe is always easier to manage and, uh, and govern themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now you don't have to be smart or rich to use a computer. And it's just a, a technology does what it always does, which is it, it just makes humans more themselves. Yeah. And now, but now the trade-off for all of this horrible stuff we get is three white men with identical beards can sit down and talk about a Marvel movie like it's the most important thing in the world. And so many of us do. Yeah, so many of us do. And we can get at least four or five listeners. Do you know that I thought for a while that we were maybe the only Marvel movie podcast? I was like, oh, this is good. Why has no one done this before? And then I went on the internet, Chuck. There are a lot of Marvel movie podcasts. Oh, you went, yeah, on the internet? Yeah, really? by white men with beards. I don't know about that. That feels uh, a little specious to me. I'm not, I don't, I think yeah, that's a conspiracy theory. You're right. You're right. That's We're not it. very We're that's not it. very open of me. Yeah. Uh this is minutes, I believe, eighty through ninety of Marvel of, of Marvel's Thor Ragnarok. Uh we have just seen Valkyrie's uh, very powerful uh flashback. Trin Garitano was our guest. Your your friend and neighbor. Mm. Yeah. They don't get along anymore because they, of the no, thing. The thing. Well, we don't talk about episode than trends, you know. Uh whew. Wow. High bar. Yeah. High bar. But, uh, you know, you're pretty good. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I will say, I will I say like this. this episode, I like this episode for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that episode for Trin because I really wanted to get into the Valkyrie thing with Trin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, will, I will say this. I, I am not 
I am not a Marvel mega fan, nor am I a Thor Ragnarok like mega fan. I mm-hmm. think that all these movies are are pretty flawed and have lots of problems. Sure. I think the best thing you can say about any Marvel movie because you're an elitist is yep. Yep, oh I, no. <laughs> sure yeah yeah I'll I'll take that no, no it's I think true. The, I think the best thing you can say about any Marvel movie is that it's the highest compliment you can pay is to say this is almost as good as a real movie like if I close <laughs> if I squint my eyes it's like almost as good as a real movie well that's that's something that we talk about a lot too is is um, the idea that Phase One Marvel movies were very much like this is serious and superheroes are movies and superheroes are real. Um, and superhero is genre. But what I like as we get farther out into it is like, this is a space movie and we've decided space is where weird, funny things happen. Mm-hmm. This is a Captain America movie and we've decided that's kind of where we're going to do spy and government thrillers under the guise of a superhero movie. Um, and I like that they are trying to, like you're saying, make real movies out of superhero movies. Yeah. Putting interesting directors with an editorial point of view, like behind the helm, is a good is a good move. Like, it's it the makes, smartest thing they've ever done. It, like it yeah. makes these movies like so much more watchable. So I think with with Ragnarok, like it's a there's it's a it's a delightful movie. It's like it probably I guess it's probably up. It's it, it's got to be one of the best Marvel movies. But uh, I will say I definitely got the best ten minutes in the movie, and I and also and also the last good ten minutes in the movie. <laughs> oh, well, oh. I, I was looking Sir. at these segments, yeah, and so. So Trin, <clears throat> Trin has some very, very powerful Valkyrie feelings. Mm-hmm. And so Trin is the best person for that. Yeah. But I looked at this and what I like about this 10 minutes specifically for you is um, it's a very classic buddy comedy, Neil Simon-ish 10 minutes. It's all the good writing is in this 10 minutes. All the good dialogue is in this 10 minutes. All the good character moments are in this 10 minutes. And I really felt when I was watching this in movies, I remember I had a, I had a, cause I was really thinking about this. I remember when I saw, when I was watching this in movies, when I saw this in the theater, mm-hmm. I remember getting so, like this 10 minutes, like of this little segment in here just woke me up. And I was like, man, this movie is good. And then the rest of the movie, there's not, you literally do not get another character moment uh, that is, that's like this good. Like there's no, like this is the last, like really funny dialogue. It's like the payoff of all the bits. And I feel like it peaked. Like, what is there? There's still like an hour left in this film. Yeah. So this is our, this is definitely heading towards our act two climax. Um, and I think the, the character stuff that you're talking about is Banner. Banner is back. And this it's is Banner, where, baby. Like, it's Banner, baby. Um, this is where we definitely get characters coming together and doing the thing that characters have to do, which is um, stating the goals and deciding if their goals are at odds and if they're going to work together. Um, which is a very important sort of second act thing to do, which we haven't really, we've had a lot of Thor trying to accomplish his goals, but this is kind of where everybody is going to come together towards something greater. It's the Revengers, baby. It's Revengers the Revengers. Get together. That's right. Uh, uh, I love that we start this with, um, they're on a space stoop. They're sitting on a space <laughs> stoop in Sakaar. Just chilling out, that's right. Uh, just a couple of bros. And uh, the sun's getting low. Sun's getting low. And yeah. I love that he finally says what we've all been saying, which is like, you got to stop saying that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Banner uh, is just losing his shit here, like a little bit. And that's nice. That's nice to see that he's not, uh, you know, because there's always the threat of uh, the big guy coming out. This is something that we don't get to see enough of with with Bruce Banner and with Mark Ruffalo, I think, because now that we've learned that Hulk is not really a character that carries an entire film or hasn't been, uh, he's better with an ensemble. We Bruce Banner doesn't get as much room to sort of breathe in films. Mm. And I love that Mark Ruffalo gets to be 
sensitive, neurotic, anxious, intelligence, like science boy. Well, so so I think that this segment uh, does a lot. There's a lot of work happening in this in this little conversation, and it addresses like two of my, the biggest problems I think with the with the Hulk character, which are like they're actually broadly problems with these Marvel movies in general. So the first one is it's really fun. Mark Ruffalo is fun on screen. Whenever the actor Mark Ruffalo is on screen, I'm pretty happy in these movies. Mm-hmm. Like he's a he's a genuinely good actor. He has good chemistry with the other people. He's funny. Like he's fun to write for. But then when he turns into the CGI Hulk, I'm usually very bored. Like that's about the time of the movie when two robots start fighting over, I don't know, when they start battling rogue Iron Man suits or whatever plot yeah. these movies have. There are like 300 of those rogue Iron Man he suits. He should really stop making rogue Iron Man suits. But I, that's usually when I'm kind of looking at my watch <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to watch these sort of CGI characters with like, you know, some sort of like, you know, angry rictus on their face and these sort of like no gravity physics, just like <laughs> punching each other for 20 minutes. I have no, I really have very little interest in it. And, and I, like, there's no drama in that because you know they're not going to kill you know, Black Panther in the first movie, right? right? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's like, the and it's just, just skip the fighting. Marvel, and- Marvel has definitely gotten better as time has gone on <clears throat> about letting the characters breathe and be kind of quirky and giving them character stakes yeah. as opposed yeah, to- Yeah, emotional stakes are way more important. Yeah, because we uh, talked about time. how the first, the first two Thor movies, especially the first one is just like, listen, Thor, you got to find hammer and hit S&M armor. Yeah. <laughs> You got Which it. we've all been there, but well, there's it's, it's a reason I think that there's some of the Marvel movies, uh, the recent ones, play really small, like they do not have world-ending stakes or even life or death stakes. Like, like uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, I think, is a really successful movie. Yeah, and it's and you really care about every action sequence in that movie because it has character stakes for the Spider-Man character, not because he might get punched or he might get hurt. Well, and they gave the villain, this is the other thing that Marvel started doing uh, right around like end of phase two, beginning of phase three is um, villain has to be a person too. Right. Villain is person. Well, he's one of Trump's forgotten men. Mm -hmm. He's one of the downtrodden, a noble garbage man. Yeah, in a uh, he's been forgotten by Obama's economy. In a, in and a, he wants to make America in a Ridley great Scott, again. In a, in a in a Ridley Scott film, or a uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the he'd be the hero. Yeah, yeah. He'd be the hero. The vulture is our zero dark thirty. I think. <laughs> oh God, oh God. <laughs> um, There's he's definitely like it's it's fun to watch different Hollywood movies and like there are the um, there are the there are the blue. There are the red and blue billboards, and then there are the green and orange billboards, right? Yeah. And red and blue billboard, Vulture is the hero. Working man who's got to fight the the foreign and or rich enemy. And yep. then in like the orange and green billboards, like Vulture is villain. Yeah. Vulture yep. needs to learn to feel things and talk shit out. Yeah. Um, and Marvel is all green and orange. <laughs> yeah. Which I like. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's like a lot of movies directed by Clint Eastwood, specifically for my father. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that thing at the uh, the Republican convention when the vulture talked to a chair? Yeah, the vulture was just talking to a chair talking like to a it chair. was Obama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, I think that this sequence is fun for one reason because it addresses the fact that like Mark Ruffalo is like, if the, you know, he like pretty, they kind of put a hat on it, right? They're like, if the Hulk comes back, I'm kind of, I'm worried that like, I'll go away, right? Like they're, they're, I think they're kind of playing with that idea. Yeah. And also in that moment, it's a nice, I care about, it's a nice way to draw me in as the viewer because I want, I want uh, Mark Ruffalo on the screen. Mm -hmm. I don't want the Hulk on the screen. So this is something, uh, I love the line. This is a world. This is a planet that's designed to stress me out. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, like you're saying, previously 
the motivation Banner had in Marvel films not to become the Hulk is that the Hulk is destructive. Yeah. We know that the Hulk is going to, the Hulk smash, Hulk is strongest one there is. Like that's, that's all Hulk has. We've never heard something that we hear all the time in the comics, which is that Hulk and Banner are always fighting over this one physical form. Yeah. And the goal for each of them is to get rid of the other one. We know well, that's- The thing about this movie, and we talked about it before, but this like shines such a bright, bold uh, light on it, is that these the whole film of Thor Ragnarok is these characters who don't know who they are. Uh, Scrapper versus Valkyrie. Thor is um, a hero versus a king. And, you know, is Loki really the trickster god or is he going to be a good brother? Uh, but Hulk is like a literal manifestation of that. He is not, there is no metaphorical distance between the type of person he wants to be and the type of person he is. He literally has that problem. And it's kind of a nice uh, way to bring that to the surface. Yeah. And in some of the deleted scenes, like Hulk is not, he's not just putting a hat on the banner Hulk thing. Like he, in the deleted scenes, puts a hat on everyone's thing. Like it's really funny to watch in some of the deleted stuff two or three of the deleted scenes are like heart to heart talks with banner and some other character mm. where banners like, no, I get it's, it, man. I'm a, the fucking yeah. Hulk. I understand. Yeah. Given how expensive <laughs> these, like every minute of these movies is to put on film. It's amazing to me that there's deleted scenes. Have you and, ever thought about that? Yes. Yeah. And this, and this one especially is so heavily improvised. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's about, it's about f- depending on who, who they're interviewing at what time in the press junket, 30 to 80% improv improvisational, Taika plays Korg, and so he basically improvs all of Korg's all lines. All of Korg, all of Korg. Uh, yeah. And so, like, they're just letting it run. They're shooting it the way you would shoot, like, a, you know, like a UCB alum directs a movie, you know, like an Adam McKay movie. It's like, okay, let's do, this, let's do the script, yeah. and then let's do three takes where you say this and see what happens. Yeah. But that's why, like, all the deleted scenes, when you see them, um, it's like Taika Waititi in, like, a green man suit with, like, a cardboard <laughs> Korg head for the other actor's eyeline, right? Like, it's... They're dumb to watch. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're interesting to watch. Yeah, they're interesting. Um, I also like they bring up they bring in one of my favorite metaphors that is something that's talked about all the time in the Hulk comic. And this is the first time they say it in the Marvel movies, which I'm happy about. Hulk and Banner are driving a car together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Locked in the trunk. Yeah. One of them is locked in the trunk, or one of them is sitting shotgun. This is like yep. Amadeus Cho, who's the Hulk in the comics right now. Doesn't just use this as a metaphor, but Greg Pak, God bless Greg, Greg Pak. Pak we love you, Greg. Um, All hail St. Greg. Has has Hulk and Amadeus talk to each other, driving this like bat out of hell fucking convertible. Yeah, he literally, again, it's a he's literally putting the, yeah. the light on that. So metaphor. I like that they brought that up. Uh, I like the little, the. so this is the payoff of the I'm wearing Tony's clothes <laughs> joke as well. Which like is a testament to how deep the Marvel movies have gone and how much we have been following them, is that you can do a joke where the joke is Bruce Banner is dressed like Tony Stark, yeah, and it's hilarious and weird, and he's got to adjust his crotch. Yeah. The other okay, so here's the other thing I had about the about this porch scene that I liked, which is uh, you you guys have seen the new J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movies? Yes. Yes. Uh, yep. Can I make, can we talk? Uh, can I can we? This is about we only Thor talk Ragnarok about and only Thor Ragnarok, Ragnarok, but I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I have a. I have a. I have. The, so like. Okay. So I'm a big. I'm like a Star Trek like uh, mega fan. Yes. And uh, I do. I actually really enjoy the J.J. Abrams movies. I think they're like really fun movies to watch, and they're Me like too. they're like well yeah. made. I feel I'm like a, you and I are on the outliers of like the core Star Trek. Yeah. Fandom. Well. Yeah. I, I, I'm I think, with you on this one. I think so I'm there, I think I think they stand on their own as good films, and I think my 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 issue with them is that they shouldn't be Star Trek films. Mm-hmm. If they had yep. made those films as like space Trek. 
Trek and you had like Captain Blurk and Mr. Block, I would be, I would love, like I would unenthusiastically think they were like some of the best sci-fi thrillers like in the last couple decades. But because they're Star Trek movies, you know, you're asking to judge them on the, on the themes and ideas of Star Trek. And I, and like, in that angle, they don't work. Yeah. And one, one and, of the, and they, the first one, they even do the cowardly thing of like, don't worry, this isn't your Star Trek. I know. This is a different Star Trek right. that can run along the same the same side of it, and yeah. it's right. fine. Parallel to yeah, but I just Star mean thematically. Even a Spock is there. <laughs> like Star, so Star Trek is all about like people being reasonable and sitting down and talking about stuff, and then they come up with some smart. They do some Star Trek stuff to save the day, right? Yeah. There's a, they use the the change the the. Uh, uh, they change the uh, they modulate the shield frequency and it saves the day, or they yeah. change the transporter frequency. So they do some Star Trek stuff, and I feel like in that first Star Trek movie, it's an origin story. So they're the whole time they're like dangling these keys in front of you, and they're like, "Hey, check this out. There's some Star Trek stuff is going to happen." And then you get to the end of the movie, and literally the last line is, "We're going to do our five year mission. We're going to boldly go where no man has gone before." And so they're like. Okay, this is the this is the crazy uh, you know reset and the action movie, and then if you stick around for the next one, we're going to show you the Star Trek stuff. And yeah. in the next movie, they're like diverted by this emergency at Earth, but they're like dangling these keys and like we're going to show you some Star Trek stuff. You want some Star Trek stuff? Who wants some Star <laughs> Keep Trek? Keep watching stuff? ten movies and we'll get there. And yeah. then in the third movie, the third had, one is just like fucking space motorcycles and shit. Yeah. But, but the, oh, do you remember the opening scene of that movie? That was Star. That Trek was Star stuff. Trek, and that you was that was because minutes. Simon Pegg, yeah, who literally was very patiently sitting, yeah, and like twiddling his thumbs, and he's like, yeah, I'll play your Scotty. I'll play your Mr. Scott. He was like, but I like Star Trek more than you do. I know. <laughs> I like Star Trek more than you do. And eventually I'll have my time to shine and I'm going to write a thing and it'll be Star Trek. And well, he did. Well, that like eight minute sequence is like the, I think it's the best thing that they've done with that. You know, all the characters were, were like true to their ideas and it was genuinely, they were doing some smart Star Trek stuff to solve a problem. But it, these movies all like beg the question of like, if you have all these geniuses and all this technology in space, like why are they punching each other? Yep. What, like yep. why are they, why are they like shooting lasers and driving motorcycles and punching each other? Can't they do some smart Star Trek stuff to like use this problem solving to, to address this? That's the thing the in the Marvel, Marvel universe. Yeah. The Marvel universe suffers from this real bad because part of the conceit of the Bruce Banner character is that he's a brilliant guy. As he says in the scene, he has seven PhDs. And why is every movie, why is the answer that they have to punch Thanos? Like, like, yeah. like they have some problem, and the answer is always well, like we have to be physically stronger than Max, them punch them. To be fair, there is some smart stuff going on because you got to punch Thanos when he's not looking. Right, that's true. That's true. That's <laughs> genius. You, you can't punch Thanos but, when he's looking, t- Max. Tony Stark is supposed to be. A I don't genius. think you watched the movie. Did you watch the movie? <laughs> Tony Stark is supposed to be a genius. Bruce Banner is supposed to be a genius. Why? Where's the genius stuff? Do some smart yeah. stuff, guys. Like build something, or you know, make a cool thing. Like all they ever build are like suits to fight each other in a diversionary B plot. Yeah, like, like a- <laughs> nobody's made the nobody's made the one button thing that deactivates all the suits. But right, where's like, this? Where's the Marvel story where they trap Thor on the on the Enterprise that's in the holodeck simulation, like Moriarty, where he thinks he's gotten out, but he's still in the holodeck. You could right? argue, actually, uh, to go back to the smart on the Marvel side, you could argue that the smartest version of that is so far the Ant Man movies. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because it's all it's all about like, look, I'm gonna give you. Don't use this stuff the way you're supposed to be using this. Well, stuff. yeah, and half of what they do is heist <laughs> stuff. It's not, yeah, not, not like right? go like punch people in sky. I do like those movies because with the, the what's fun is they set the table of like what you can do in the Ant Man universe, and then they come up. It's genuinely clever writing. Like the action sequences, you're seeing things that are like actually very clever. I think a I think a clever way that they address that that I really enjoyed is um, 
when we get to Wakanda and we see that Wakanda actually does use their technology for good things mm-hmm. and everybody's yeah. like, and what, and basically Black Panther is just like, yeah, we don't want to interact with the rest of the world because you do bad things. Right. It's like, we have the same level of technology that you do. And I'm basically like, I'm using it to that guy's cancer's gone. And we built this like zero emission building. And this is happening. Like, I don't really want to fight, but like, it's a yeah, weird We want to hide. Actually, we're hiding. Yeah. yeah, we're just, we're hiding from you because your answer is always to punch <laughs> each other in iron suits. So yeah. I like that. They're kind of trying to address, I think, the same question that you brought up. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these are popcorn movies that where right. one guy's going to hit another guy. It's going to happen. Think, I think in the hands of of braver filmmaking and better writing, you could have stories where genuinely smart and surprising things happen. It, it does happen in Ragnarok. Like there is some, you know, very clever. Yeah, I think Taika did a did a yeah. really amazing job with turning... Yeah, turning Thor from like just space action movie into into space opera in a yeah. way that Kenneth Branagh wished that he could do, but wasn't yeah. really given the freedom to do. You know, yeah. but funnier and with more weird little they, quirky yeah. character beats. Um, like. So anyhow, I do like that they talk yeah. about that in the sequence where he's like, "Hey, come on, man! I have yeah. seven PhDs." You know, yeah. you, like, but you guys don't seem to have any use for Bruce Banner, right? Yeah. You just want the Banner's Hulk. just yeah. as good as the Hulk, and the Thor's immediately yeah. is like, "Is he? Yeah, like, yeah. is he though?" Is he though? Uh, so yeah, I like that. Um, this is also like, uh, Thor sort of like, I've got a disguise and Bruce who just literally doesn't think of himself as the Hulk is like, where's my disguise? He's like, yeah. no, you're, you're disguised. Yeah. You're, you're it. You're it. <laughs> um, and this is where we get to see more Sakaar. The more Sakaar I get to see, the more I love it. Yep. Um, what a great, isn't that a good punchline to that whole scene too, that they walk, he's like, this is the planet that stresses me out. And then they yeah. walk out Oof. and they're like, we're, he's like, don't worry, you're never going to have to think about the Hulk again. And yeah. they walk out in the street. It's Hulk day. Hulk day. Yeah. yeah. It's he literally Hulk gets day. green, green, like dust, like powder. Yeah. <laughs> like this weird, this weird, like, uh, uh, like whole, holy style parade with the powder being thrown around, but it's all green. Yep. It's all Hulk powder. Um, I love it. Uh, and then we get uh, Bruce almost gets into a fight, and I like that. I like that Banner looks like he's gonna throw a punch. Yeah, like I think that's kind of funny. Is he's like, well, I guess I'll hit this guy if I have to. This is gonna end badly. Uh, and then <laughs> Tessa Thompson comes in, our beautiful Valkyrie. Um, Precious and I, Valkyrie. I enjoy the the amount of subtext Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth managed to get into these two highs is very oh, yeah. good. Hi, hi. Yeah. It's, you know what? We're like the most bisexual movie. There it is again. There it is again. Yeah. That there was Trin's theory is Thor Ragnarok is the most bisexual movie. Mm. Uh, and it kind of is. I agree yeah. with it. That's it's a very, loaded. Uh, when she, when she electrocutes that monster, that's going to get into a fight and then he sort of falls away and she, she gets revealed from, yeah. you know, like, she like slides into the frame. Yeah. That's a very, uh, uh, like Edgar Wright, uh, comedic. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a really funny beat and, and a genuinely funny, like camera. It's like a good gag in the frame that is like, again, this is like what happens if you give a good, if you let yeah. a good director have a lot of money and then still make a good movie. There's yeah, because there's more dialogue and character stuff here. He gets to direct it more like the comedy stuff that he has directed traditionally. Right. And so he's got a good, he's got such a good eye and good timing for that. It's just, it's like, it, it just was a moment that stood out to me. Cause I was like, this is a beat that would have gone, they, they would have done that. We had this in the script in a, in, in another Marvel, in a Marvel movie from six years ago, but it would have been unremarkable. Like it would, they wouldn't have had, well, that would have been, been a little delightful thing. It would have been the, the alien falling away to show how tough the character behind the alien is. Right. Which is, a very different way to direct this than like hi yeah. hi yeah. let's not talk about the thing yeah. yeah 
I, I know I said I was I don't help anyone ever. Let's not talk about it. Like yeah. it's very good. It's very good yeah. performances. Very well, good. One for someone we know as Angry Girl too. It's a nice little, you know. Yeah, I like it. Um, so then we have the uh, oh, I can I can see your face like the the disguise yeah. thing again. The you running gag of disguise, disguise yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, but then I like this thing where Banner and the Valkyrie kind of feel like they know each other. Yeah, and, constantly skirting around like, hey, you're familiar to me. Aren't uh, you familiar? But I also love Bruce's just babbling here in the hallway because like he's just so overwhelmed by her that he's just like, he literally says at one point where he's babbling in the background, she's so beautiful and strong. I know. <laughs> like he just says it. And he's trying to figure out like the tattoos. Like, did you, yeah. she, are those the people she killed? Are those the people she, she killed? She she's them? just so beautiful and strong. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> And um, I feel that. I feel that implicitly in my heart. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And then it ends with, I feel like I know you. I feel like I know you too. And then she was, and then she goes into her thing about how like, yeah, I'm going to help you. Uh, I, I, the bad shit went down and I thought Sakaar seemed like a good place to just drink and die. And Thor's like, yeah, good. Cause I thought you drank too much. She's like, I'm not going to stop drinking. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, that's not, what do you no, say? I, just, I don't mean, I mean, I'm not going to die on Sakaar. Yeah. Like just a lot of like real quick, like, this is this is like very very screwball comedy dialogue again. Yeah, which bringing I, up baby, which I really enjoy. Bringing up Brucey. <laughs> um, so she's a good straight man. She to, is to the two because you have you have two funny characters bouncing off each other, and it it she does give a night like like those are those are more fun scenes because she's not a funny character. Well, she's she's filling she's. She is funny, but she's not she's not wacky like they are now. Right. And she is filling that position that almost Thor used to have in the Marvel universe right. where Thor is the very uh oh the the weight of my responsibility and I'm a serious warrior man. Right. Uh that's sort of transferred a bit to her. Right. So like you can have a scene where Tom Hiddleston and Mark Ruffalo and Chris uh, and Chris Hemsworth are just goofing around and it's her job to like anchor it now. But they still let her get weird. Yeah, like the the drunk fall off of the uh, the the gangplank, the coming off the ship, and later her sort of like like Jack and the giant. You know, I don't want to say it's a phallic symbol, but the cannon in the, yeah. in the ship. There's just they let her sort of like the official Tessa Thompson gif is what I call. Yeah, that. right. Um, yeah. yeah, they like she's not as she's not as cardboard as as Phase One Thor was, which is good. Right. Um, so yeah, join the team. It's called the Revengers. And I yeah. love the the whole thing. It's like, yeah, you want revenge? I want do you want revenge? Yeah, I'm undecided. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so now we have Loki's reemergence. Yep. N- n- nice little visual thing. Uh as long as we're talking about every beat in these 10 minutes, I also really like that when they come when um uh when uh, Mark Ruffalo comes in from that street festival. He like gets a towel and he's like literally wiping the green off of him, like yes. the green dust. I thought that was a nice, just the, a just a nice touch. Yeah, there's another there's another great background beat with him too in this one where he's just uh, where he's just eating as everything's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of my favorite fucking things in movies. Like, I I I feel like I brought this up. No, it wasn't here. I haven't brought this up yet. One of my favorite performance choices in any movie in the history of time. Mm-hmm is Brad Pitt eating his way through Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven. Eleven. I agree. Oh, it's Ocean's very Eleven, funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. Brad Pitt eating in general is very funny. He yes. also does that in um, in Fight Club. Uh, in, he's on. He's uh, like eating uh, chips in, uh, on the in, phone. In Moneyball, he always has like sunflower yeah. seeds and chewing tobacco. Yeah, he's is very he true romance. Isn't he eating too? Besides smoking weed. Yeah, and the other yeah. one is um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> uh, when I was in school, we had to watch a movie, a drama, like a made-for-TV drama about like Watson and Crick and the discovery of DNA. Sounds dope. And um, I yeah. think it was it was uh, is it James Watson was played by mm. um, by uh, Jeff Goldblum. And the oh. way he just, yeah, like the choice. Oh, I just got interested. I, I just got interested. Yeah, it's not a great movie, but the one, the choice he made in that movie was in like he was eating something in literally every scene. Like he was always yeah. just like eating an apple or something like that. And I, I just love remember, it. I just remember like this is very funny. Like Jeff Goldblum just always eating something is a is a great choice. Yeah, it's well, there's weird. a great uh, deleted scene too with and uh, this from uh, a banner eating what he believes are noodles. Yep. And yeah. Some some kind of bizarre tentacled it, parasite like some. It, it, it felt like it was almost with that deleted scene. It was almost meant to play as like, well, he was the Hulk for two years. That's real exhausting, and now he's just got to eat everything that's eat. in front of him because he's of got it. low blood sugar, man. Yeah, ah, uh, it's it's very good. This is just very funny visual filmmaking. They all look up with the door as the door goes up, and yeah. then there's Loki sitting there, and it's yeah. he's like centered in frame yeah. in the reverse shot, and very, like very small in frame. It's yeah. just a, it's just funny. Like it's just yeah. I don't know, like yeah. like. It's it's weird for these movies to be fun, like visually fun to watch versus like looking expensive. Yes, uh, and that's well, and as some- I said, it, the thing, the gift here is that uh, it, the humor never comes across as sticky, and it never comes across like Tony Stark or uh, uh, Spider Man and uh, Star Lord having these little pop culture quip battles. Like they're not quipping. Yeah, they're, they don't know that they're quipping. I mean, we feel that, but they're actually being serious and they're being anxious and upset and romantic it but they're bad at it they're just really bad yeah. at it and that's what makes it so funny sakar last last episode we were talking about how sakar is the planet of teenagers mm-hmm. like all these characters are just tre- teenagers trying to act cool and trying to act yep. the way they feel like they should be acting uh and i just love the whole like loki yeah just tiny in the frame like the least yep. imposing we've ever seen him look uh. um so the yeah the callback of of throwing something at him to make sure he's there and then um of course of course loki loki has what they need why wouldn't Loki yep. have what they need? Sure. Some pretty um some pretty uh kludgy uh, exposition in this scene where he's like, "Ah, oh, is this the famed sword of the Valkyrie?" and just like picks it up. And... Right. Right. Dragon Fang. Yeah, yeah, there's a little as you know Bob writing in this scene, but you know. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be although it works for me because Thor like is built off of that clumsy foundation of faux Shakespearean mythology nonsense. Right. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's it just fits, uh, you know, with that type of movie. We're we're also trying to show like there's a lot in this movie of trying to establish Valkyrie and how powerful Valkyrie is and how important Valkyrie is when we know for a fact that we've never seen Valkyrie, right? Right. right. And so yeah, he does go like, "Oh, it's the sword of the Valkyries." But, you know, we don't get it's the sword of the Valkyries. Legend has it that this sword, you know what I mean? He's just like, right, shit, it's Dragonfang. I know Dragonfang. Question for, question Dragonfang is her Mjolnir. And of course, being yeah. from Asgard, she gets a Mjolnir, you know? Do you, okay, I have a couple of questions. Is she an important character in the comics? Is this like an existing thing? She is. Uh, okay. we, we went over a little bit of her origin last uh, episode. Yeah. yeah, but it, um, but basically, like, she's a reoccurring character. Okay. But she's a good character Why? to use because um she hasn't been a hugely predominant character mm-hmm. and she has been a character for both 
Thor and Hulk in the past. I see. So it's a good bridge. All right, I have a, I have a, I have a story question for for Chuck here. So let's say you're mm-hmm. you're, okay. the, you're the screenwriter. You're you're like you're like breaking this. You're you're like figuring out the beats of the story. Yeah. Why? Okay. Why? I I I resented in this movie actually this the exact thing that you're talking about is like that they have to like retcon in that there's this really important thing in in all of the like you've watched all these these like mediocre Thor movies and you've invested in the mythology and now they have to like retcon in this like really important thing that you've you've never heard about before and go back and explain how it's important and they have all this kludgy exposition. Why not just introduce a new character? Like, why does it have to be an Asgard? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't it, is it wouldn't it have been in some ways more elegant to just be like, yeah, they meet an alien on the planet who teams up with them? Oh yeah. Why does Valkyrie need to be pinned specifically to? Yeah. Well, Asgard? Why is there another Asgardian? Like, like I, uh, I don't yeah. understand that choice. I think in this case you need the because first of all the movie's already populated with a number of random kind of aliens, uh, but you also get especially since you extract this very explicitly from and away from uh, Planet Hulk, the storyline in the comics, and this is a Thor movie, um, I feel like if you don't give her those beats where she's bound to Asgard and bound to some sort of duty, I don't think she belongs. I don't think you get her to come back unless it... Then she just feels like a character who's along for the ride. She's a paper boat in a stream kind of moving where the story needs her to go, whereas here there's at least a character motivation that allows you to sort of anchor why she's doing something and both why she left um, in terms of that sort of, we talked about in the she's last, the drunk. Uh, she's thing. the drunk sheriff that quote unquote doesn't care about town anymore, right? Absolutely, yeah. There like, you go. It's her. She's the law. She used to be the lawman, and then shit went bad, and now she just drinks all the time. And it's like, come back to town. We need law. And it's well, like, and it's a joke. Like the whole anymore. like the we're the revengers. I want revenge. You want revenge? Like I mean, that's literally one of the most purest and simplistic. Um, maybe too simplistic for, but for this is the kind of movie that it is. Uh, this is what they want. And it's a, a motivation that uh, is easy to understand. And I think one of the things that carries it off for me too is like the movie does know that. The movie is very aware of what Marvel movies are because of Taika. Right, um, yeah. And it does a great job. One of, the, one of the best things these movies can do and one of the best things comic books can do, I think, is just be funny and fast enough that you don't worry too much about this shit in the moment. Oh, that's Yeah, but you know, it, when we talked about it too in some of the earlier episodes, but it's like, there is this powerful thing that goes on throughout history where obviously, you know, Christianity basically just erects churches on uh, the sites of previously existing pagan temples. Uh, and, you know, we have viewed in these movies so far a um, a perspective on uh, Norse mythology that is really sanitized and uh, the Shakespearean kind of vibe gilds that lily a little too much. And so um, she is a part of a legacy of that covering up history covering up a more bloodier a, a bloodier time covering up odin's sins so there's that whole sins of the father coming back and there's how is thor going to be different from but also same as uh, odin in the odin force um so i think there's a lot of work that making valkyrie a part of asgard uh does for us even without a lot of the uh exposition i mean i think there's probably some kludgy exposition here but the movie also does a lot of really good um, with zipping past exposition very quickly and not putting too fine a point on it. Yeah, like we name the sword, but we don't dwell on the sword, and I like that. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. When these when these movies are boring enough that you can think about them, that it's a real problem for them. Like I think that's. that's how, I think that was like one of the major issues of Thor too. Is like oh, absolutely. think a lot yeah. about what's going on yeah. here. Age in of Thor. Age of Ultron. That oh. was when I re- I rewatched that movie like maybe before. Um, uh, uh, Infinity War or whatever, because I, I I had just seen it the once, and I was like, that's really the main problem with this movie is it's boring enough that I can think about it, and like these movies yeah. just crumble if you just if you get if they do, if they are not moving you along with like every beat, just like zipping you through this thing, and you stop and think about it, it just 
the plate spinning in the first Avengers was so perfect. I know. They were spinning so many plates and Joss Whedon juggled so many things and made them just like zip along. And then Ultron, yeah, had some stuff where it's like, okay, so we created Killer Robot. We're not going to talk about, okay. All right, no repercussions for creating the killer. Okay. No. All right. Move past it. We're moving past when, it. When it gets bo- and also like when it gets bo- when Ultron gets boring, you're just like for at least for me, I was I started going like, wait a minute, why does he want to kill it? Wait, what, what's his motivation? Like, like, why does he? Yeah. So yeah, like, I know AI they need someone to destroy. I, need, I, I don't need, know. They, I know that <laughs> they need someone to punch, which is the real reason that Ultron yeah. exists. But right, like, right. I'm not supposed to be thinking about that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it it definitely suffered from some of the uh, some of the phase one, phase two Marvel stuff, which is like bad guy is bad guy. Like the red, like the red fucking skull is such a phase one. Yeah, such a phase one, a such, cartoon, literally a cartoon villain. Like literally, just a red skull. I am, I am just the unironic <laughs> embodiment of just like, yeah. yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, he's basically meek. He's like, he's a bug with knives. Yeah, that's like, okay, what it, we're like, good now. Yeah, we're naming the stupid thing and moving on. That's no. what I love about Thor Ragnarok. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm asking for passage through the anus. Didn't. <laughs> Uh, Einstein Rosen Bridge. I like that they threw that in. It's yeah. fun. I, it's, what is that? Is that the Einstein Rosen Bridge? Is, is just sci-fi thing? Yeah, sci-fi they use thing. they they talk about it a couple times in Star Trek too. It's basically um, Einstein and and Nathan Rosen uh, created the idea of wormholes. So it's like wow. any anytime you hear wormhole in science, yeah. they're usually talking about an Einstein Rosen Bridge. Which is, and in any film, they're going to do the thing where they fold a piece of paper together and punch it. Yeah, that's how they're going to show you the Einstein yeah, Rosen Bridge. Exactly. But basically, like the idea is that we're surrounded by teeny tiny like sub micronic uh, Einstein Rosen bridges all the time, and as the yeah. universe expands, they get bigger. Uh, and so it's like two areas, like two black holes, basically that are connected. Right, but. Yeah. In reality, like they, we've never seen one because they theoretically exist so quickly in time. It's a nice. It's a, I love the devil's anus joke. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's one of the. I think it's one of my favorite jokes in the movie. It's so out of no. It's so not Marvel. It's so out of nowhere. Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah, I that's just right. Like, I just liked it, and I like that it's not a whole thing. Like I like that it didn't become a meme where everyone was like, po- you know, doing like Twitter memes about like the devil's anus. Like it's just it just comes and goes. I like it. They it, treated it like it, a like a joke in a joke a minute movie. You yes. know. Yeah. yeah, it made me laugh. I like it. Uh, but okay, uh, here's the thing. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say I don't care about any of all this. What I care about is my favorite joke in the movie, which is the story Thor tells about Loki. Yes, yeah. the snake. That is the my favorite. Like ten seconds of this movie is right here. Yep. Um, it's the most the stupidest, <laughs> dumbest, most absurd story, and you totally buy it. For you know, people don't know where we're at. The time when they were children and Loki. Uh, knowing that Thor likes snakes. That's just a weird character beat, knowing that I love snakes. Uh, He goes to pick up the snake, Thor, and then Loki transforms into Loki and then stabs him. Like, not just, it's not enough to simply be a snake and be like, ha ha, it's me, it's Loki. He then stabs him and then the final beat, we were eight at the time. So there is a story, what I love about it is there is a story in Norse mythology about Loki turning into a snake. Yes, there is. And biting Thor. Yep. As a snake. And what I love is they turned it into this comedic beat of like, yeah, why yes. would he turn back into Loki in his hands? You're yep. a snake already. You're and the whole snake. the whole just like he knew how much I love snakes is just like, why is that the direction this is going? <laughs> it's I it's love a very, it. It's stupid. A Ralph it's amazing. Wiggum, it's a very Ralph Wiggum story. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, and depending depending on what interview you read, this was uh, basically improvised by Chris Hemsworth. 
good. Um, Chris Hemsworth, very funny. Very funny. He was, he was my favorite. He's a he, gift. he was one of my favorite parts of the Ghostbusters remake. Like he, he was yep. so funny in that movie. I thought some some of his funniest stuff was like. So like I can't tell that this is a one of his things was I can't tell that this is a fish tank, which I was like, <laughs> right. cut that out of the movie. Yeah. He does so many funny things every moment. Cut something out of the movie that makes this character feel a little more real to me. Yeah. He knows what a fucking fish tank is. Yeah. You know, he's not gonna but yes, he was like one of the funniest parts of that movie. There's some weird fucking editing choices in that new yeah, Ghostbusters. No one, no, no one ever accused that no, of being yeah. like a like a tight, well edited. No. Film. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a shame because I wanted I wanted it. To I be wanted like, it to be, and I think, and so I hard. do think the first like first act and a half of the new Ghostbusters was very very good. Yeah, um, all the character stuff really. Uh, what I what I love about this thing is like, yeah, he's he looks like he's gonna kill me. Yeah, he's gonna yeah he's definitely tried to kill me. Yeah, he he's, did kill me. He's smiling the whole time. Loki is smiling the whole time because he knows they're gonna take the deal because right. he's Loki, and I love that they're giving. They're not taking these characters so seriously that Loki's not allowed to smile and laugh at yes. Yeah. Well, and he loves the story that he tells. He yeah. thinks it's funny. He now still thinks that's amazing. Um, so yeah, and then like we got to bring the beast to Asgard. What beast? Oh no, no, yeah. there's no beast. There's you no guys beast. have a beast? Um, and then we get a we get a quick cutaway here uh because they say they're going to start the revolution and that's how they're going to escape. We get a Korg and Meek beat Korg, here. Korg, this is like, this is your your favorite Korg line. It's mine too. Uh, it's mine too. Yeah. yeah. Mine. Yep. This this is uh is that some sort of protoplasm coming out of you or are they eggs? They're eggs. Looks like eggs. Uh, Looks no, like eggs. That's eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they do. They look like eggs. Yeah. They is that like some sort of eggs. protoplasm? All the stuff that's coming out of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yep. it's so. It's such naturalistic dialogue. It's so funny. And I love this line even more because versus like what's the piss off ghost or whatever because yeah. it's like not the one that went viral. <laughs> Like I read, yeah. like it's you know I don't like anything when it becomes like arrow to the knee. No. Like I I have like a I go I have like a defensive crouch. God forbid you like anything popular, Max. No, no, I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be caught uh, <laughs> caught like that. But this one just this one just flies right by. It's so fucking funny. I forgot it was in the movie too, and I watched the ten minutes. I was like, God, that's so funny. Well, that's the thing about Korg. Korg, the gift of Korg to me is that there's all these little lines that you only catch later. Whether he's talking about the guys cleaning up the weapons or his mother's boyfriend who he hates. Uh, and then the eggs line, just stuff that you, you know, you do miss because the piss off ghost is such a big, whatever it's a meme. And thing. the other thing is like, I'm looking at it, knowing that he is also the director of this film. He's right. very good at yeah. all of those lines could be cut. Yep. They all happen before or after the scene. He's yeah. very good at like, I'm going to throw this in. If it flows, it flows. And if it's not, I'm not going to take it personal if I if we have to cut it out because I'm the fucking director. Um, but it works really well. Yeah. Um, it's doing some work in there too because it's reminding you that these guys are like bored prisoners just sitting around. You know, like it, it, it reminds you of their motivation. So when he picks up the gun and like starts the revolution, there's yeah. some table setting there of like yeah. you're, you're remembering like, who are these guys? What do they want? Like... Yeah, just that we've been trapped in a freaky circle together for years. Yeah. There's nothing left to talk about anymore. Yeah, well, I, I hate the S word. I hate the S word. Let's yeah. call them prisoners with jobs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we get we get busted out, and then this is the prisoners with jobs scene, which is great. Um, there's some another another great background characters here uh that I like just as much as maybe the cat guard last time. Cat guard, cat guard for the wind. Cat <laughs> is the uh the two matching 60s Star Trekky looking pom-pom girls with giant guns that walk by yep. very in the fifth background. Element. Very fifth element. Yeah, very it's fifth very element. That's good. 
another great Topaz and um, another great Topaz and Grandmaster moment. Yeah, and Topaz got that rad armor, man. Yeah. We never really get to see her using her battle armor. Yeah, battle-ready Topaz is very cool looking, and the Grandmaster oh, is a little more ceremonial looking now. Yeah. Um, and then we get to a... Uh, That's a the bit. slaves... The, 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 the prisoners with jobs is very funny. It's very good, and yeah, I like that it's just so like... Funny. I don't like that word. Mainframe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, why would I not like mainframe? Yeah. So good. Um, and also, that's their thing is like arguing about words and misunderstanding each other. Yeah, the, like a nice one of the best, and I understand why it's not in the movie, but one of the cut ones that I really love is the Grandmaster doing the sign for check. Yeah, <laughs> they do. A, it's a long bit. It's too. A it just long keeps going. Bit. It's like and there, it feels like it's ten minutes. Grandmaster and Topaz, where he's like, "If I did this, what would it mean to you? If I did this, what?" And she just keeps saying the wrong thing over, and it's like the longest bit between Jeff Goldblum and Rachel House, and it kills me. It kills. Uh, but it would have been like four minutes of screen time in this movie. Nope. Um, so we go now to uh, a really lovely scene that I like. This is this is a scene that's entirely about uh, Thor and Loki, Thor's growth, Thor finally right? saying goodbye to Loki and them deciding to go their separate ways because it's all about, we don't get along, we're too different, we can never work together. Juxtaposed with the action of them working together so fucking perfectly. So well, they're a team. Why are they shooting people with lasers, though? Oh, because they don't give a fuck. Why yeah. wouldn't they shoot people with lasers? I don't know. That's not how they... I think that's it. I think that's it. Fight. Why not? That's how they fight. They're on Sakaar. They got lasers now, baby. I mean, on Asgard, they don't, use, they don't really use lasers because they got cool bows and arrows and stuff. But yeah, if you're on Sakaar, you shoot a laser. Does Thor kill people? Yeah, Thor's not one of those. Okay. Yeah, Thor's not Batman. Thor's, Thor, you know, Thor is like... Previous to coming to Earth, he was he was fighting in these Asgardian battles where he's like basically knocking the heads off of things with his hammer. So right. they're cool with it. Um, and then we get into this elevator scene that really, really shows Thor's growth and the the sort of idea that the one thing that could surprise Loki was he never thought Thor would have any emotional growth. Yeah. <laughs> It's a really, it's a really good. It, uh, this entire sequence is really good. I, I love how they, how they sort of play that off. Where even to the point where the guy, the, the guard comes out of the door and surprises Loki, but it doesn't matter because Thor's right there. Like they're so yep. perfectly in sync. Well, and like as a, you know, again, the characters they don't know who they are throughout most of this movie. But here is one of those times, and it's appropriate for the timing in the film. And you, you kind of second act moving to third act. You're starting to see that tighten back up for them. They're starting to figure out both who they are for themselves and who they are to one another. And that's such an essential pivot point in, that gets us to that third act. And I think there's a, there's a, going with the Sakaar is the planet of teenagers. Teenagers, Isle of Misfit yeah, Toys. Yeah, the Isle teenagers. of Misfit Toys. There is a period with siblings where you basically go, it's somewhere around your teenage years, where you basically go like, we don't need to talk. We don't yep. need to hang out. We're like, we don't need to get along. It's okay. We're related, but I don't really want to see you very much. It's like a weird growing pain point that happens. And with some, with some siblings, it's longer than with some siblings, it's shorter. But like, it's very interesting to watch this particular conversation because it's like, oh, okay, but you guys are going to, you guys are going to be friends again. Yeah. You're going to come back around to this whole thing. You're going to go, you're going to go off to different colleges and, and come home for the holidays and really miss each other and go out partying right. and stuff. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and then I like that it ends with the uh, perfect 10 minute button once again, every fucking time. Boom. Boom, Thor. Let's do, let's do get help. 
Let's do Get Help. Um, this movie has ended in perfect 10-minute chunks every time, right on the timer. Maybe, maybe that's how it was written. It's exactly how it was written. Yeah. yeah. And it's brilliant that they're able to pull it off. Like It's orchestrated. Yeah, it's not... If you were to try to do this with many other films and many other Marvel films in particular, especially the earlier ones, you would not be able to. But there's a little mini arc every 10 minutes and it's really nice. Um, and that's that's the end of this 10 minutes. That's it? That's it. Max, best 10 minutes of the movie, huh? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. There's, it's, and it's disappointing to me that, that, I mean, this movie peaks with a third of it still to go, which is a, which is a bummer. I mean, like almost every Marvel movie, it has just like a, like a really boring and lame third act. I'm sure you guys will. I, I look forward to hearing you talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, no. I yeah, mean, no. Like, I, will, I literally will watch this third act repeatedly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 there's, a, there's a often, um, I, I wind up like going with friends to see Marvel Are, movies on um, and uh, opening. So I'm like, you know, it's like midnight and I'm out at the theater. And multiple times at different Marvel movies, I've fallen asleep during the action sequences in the third act. But are you an action guy in general? Like, do you- um, I saw. Uh, yeah, I can. I can be an action guy. I saw. Um, but it's not like uh, hell yeah, we're going to see an action movie. Like you're not that guy. I saw. Uh, what was the Wolverine movie? It was good. Oh, Logan. Logan. Yeah, I saw Logan. Not really an action movie, though. I mean, it's I mean, not- it is, but it's. You know, I don't know. It does so much. Work I, there was there lots of fight of scenes in that movie, and I was white knuckling my seat and just leaning forward, and I almost couldn't bear to open my eyes. I was so gripped by every every cut and every movement and every action beat in that film because every action thing that happened had like huge consequences for all of the characters, and all of those fights were telling you something about who they were, and I just cared so much about, does someone get hurt? And they scaled it down, too, from what an X-Men movie, what you would think of as an X-Men movie. Like, right. this is right. a, this is an old guy who's got to fight three guys, and when he fights these three guys and he hurts them, it looks like he hurts them. When they hurt him, it looks like they hurt him. But that was part of it, but also, like, I really understood in every sequence every fight sequence i was like okay here's what he needs right now is like to he needs to get out of the way of this thing and if he doesn't here's the character consequences for him and everyone around him and that's what these movies like it's just like this whole the the, the, well we're getting into the next the next week's thing but this whole jumping on the ship's battle or whatever it's like you just you know it's not the end of the movie you know they're gonna go fight the lady on the thor planet Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just so low stakes like i don't care like no none of these things have any consequences for any of the characters to me at least so i'm i'm just it's like for me i could like look at my email for 10 minutes and wait for for something you know for some sort of dialogue yeah i think i think this particularly uh comes back to something you were saying where it's like you know they're not going to kill black panther in the first movie right like we know that thor and hulk are not in any danger really like we know that, um, but see, I'll give you that. They, they, I think the film does a good job at establishing. Um, I mean, as much as you can in this kind of movie, mm-hmm. uh, character stakes that matter. We know that Valkyrie has a very explicit uh, revenge issue with Hela. Um, we know that Thor um, has questions over who he is, and he has questions over his allegiance to Asgard. Um, also, in the shadow of his father, and f- kind of a father's betrayal. Though I do wish the movie had put a, a finer point on. The fact that Odin is really just kind of a monster, or at least was a monster once upon a time, like slaughtering galaxies, like possibly Thanos level bad guy. Um, But the fact that there's this kind of great family, the only character that gets a little lost in all that is Loki, because the sort of the Loki turn happens here. I mean, arguably that he shows up and that he's present. 
uh, in the third act is maybe enough of a turn for him, but he kind of gets lost as having a point. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulk embraces being Hulk again, um, which is a nice turn into uh, Infinity War, which admittedly is kind of a big bloated. I did fall asleep during some of his action scenes <laughs> kind of movie. Um, but like, you know, in this movie, he's trying very hard not to be Hulk. But in that movie, he's trying very hard to be Hulk. Um, yeah. So this kind of is a nice pivot point uh, at the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think there's stuff going on and Hela doesn't die. Hela is a character who, you know, they literally can't beat. So there is that stake too of um, the, the cataclysm and the apocalypse of Asgard, which is such a huge, wait, yeah. where, bizarre wait a thing. Where is Hela in, in uh, infinity war? She should be there. No, she should be there. Max. She should be Thanos. She on uh, wannabe girlfriend. No, no, no. Nope. They, they left her on, they leave her at the end of this movie on Asgard as Surtur is tearing it apart. Because yeah. her pat like the whole deal is her power is connected to Asgard, so they're like, cool. Well, let's just leave her on Asgard and then blow up Asgard, and everything will be fine. Yeah, she's either uh, blown up with Surtur or somehow still fighting him in some bizarre Asgardian. But what mm-hmm. what I was going to say about this escape bit though is like because we know Thor and Hulk are safe, I would have, I I would have enjoyed some stuff, and this does go into next episode, but I would have enjoyed some stuff where. Um, I feel a little more, I feel like uh, maybe Korg and Valkyrie and some other people are in a little more danger, you know? Yeah, you do feel that that's where the danger uh, but is. I think, but I think because we know that we can't hurt these characters, it's it becomes more of a, how do we get these characters to their next goal in the most uh, interesting, action-packed, visually pleasing way? Yeah, I do. When I do wonder that, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Max, but the, uh, I do worry that in modern storytelling, genre storytelling in particular, and actually even comic storytelling, because comics fall into this trap constantly. Um, this sort of the Game of Thronesian Walking Dead, well, who dies now becomes your stakes. And death is such a boring I was, set of stakes. That's exactly what I was going to say, Chuck. It's like, I love you, Matt. It's like, I, it's literally exactly what I was going to say. It's like, that is such, it's, it's in a way, it's like lazy writing, right? It's like the easiest yeah. uh, way, uh, peril to put the character in for the audience to care is to say, are they going to live or die? And it also you you have an inflationary effect of like how many times can you do that before the audience stops caring? Right. Like we're going to be watching Thor sixteen and he almost dies again, and I'm supposed to care. But the Marvel movies really, for me at least, they really click when they have personal stakes and when right. I can actually connect on a human level to to someone losing something that's not yeah. just that they might get hurt. And I don't just mean danger. Yeah, and when I say danger, I don't just like, mean danger of danger of death for for yeah. Valkyrie and Korg. I mean danger of like, does the revolution fail? Does Valkyrie not make it off the planet? Does like what happens God, to when, change their lives? When Spider, I mean, I I know I brought this up before, but in, when Spider Man um like doesn't go on the field trip when he like uh, yeah. doesn't go to the to the quiz bowl tournament, like I I really like that is like a heartbreaking thing, and I care. so so much when he gets trapped in the warehouse and he can't get to the quiz ball thing like my heart is breaking yeah. I care more about him going to his quiz ball tournament than I care about any character in this movie dying which is yeah. good writing yeah. it's good writing like I care about this guy and his life and the stakes are very low right like does Peter Parker go to the quiz ball tournament is like so much more low stakes than no, like but we know that Thor's entire planet we destroyed. know that Peter's entire conflict is uh, everybody who who feels like he should be reliable feels like he's unreliable. Right. And he feels right. like everybody that he wants to be closest with, he's pushing away. And so we know that, oh, I'm locked in a box with a robot suit and I'm fucked because I just want to be a friend to everyone. Right. Like you understand that. Well, and and that's a better, he's a, a, a more, uh, he's a character that resonates with a lot. Spider-Man's a character that resonates with a lot of people because there's so much more that you can say about him other than what weapon he has, what color you costume You can pour yourself wears. into Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and the, these, Marvel movies are fun because they're giving they're they're creating these characters, but they're you know they really when they're like 
this this 10 minutes to me really shines because it's all the pay, it's payout. Like I really like when these movies reward your attention because like I I am as guilty as much as I think these movies are kind of stupid. I'm as guilty as as anyone of like w- watching and rewatching and trying to find the patterns and like they just appeal to that that you know that nerd yeah. part of my brain. brain. <laughs> and I like when the movies reward you when they give you a little treat for being like, oh, you paid attention and now here's some jokes that you could, you'll get. You know, that, that's what yeah. that snake anecdote, it's like if you've been watching the, these movies and following them, like that's just a little treat that you're going to enjoy because it rewards your careful attention. Well, I, and I think that like this movie for Thor, like the Thor versus Peter Parker thing, is this movie is what's the transitional movie that's doing the labor of making Thor that character going forward. Mm. We have to transition Thor from feelingless warrior man with sense of duty and father complex, right. but unlimited power. Who needs his hammer. Yeah, yeah he is a hammer. Like the right. Chuck, Chuck keeps saying that he has a hammer because he is a fucking hammer. Right. That's yeah. what he is and what he does. Right. We have to change him now into nervous guy who's trying to do best by the few people left that believe in him. And like all of that stuff comes forward now because this is the every third Marvel movie in a franchise is the, is the soft reboot is the character 90 degree turnaround. Um, and so that's kind of what we're getting now is like, now we get our space lasers and our funny stuff. And it's, it's a ride because next time we'll be able to watch a movie about this character who is Thor, who is Odinson, you know, which is why this is the best movie in the Marvel cinematic universe, Chuck. I agree. I agree. You're not surprised that I agree, but I agree. <laughs> uh, Max, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. I can't believe we talked about that for an hour. Every fucking week. Can you believe it? Yeah. Three white guys with beards turns out to talk yeah. about comic book movies for an hour a week. Damn. Nobody knew. <laughs> now, have you guys Weird. seen um, uh, t- uh, Taika? What, how do you say his name? But, say it for, but that was a story for another day. Max, where do they listen to your? Where do we people? No, listen wait, to your I want to. Pl- I want to plug his other movies though. Have you <laughs> oh, seen Hunt for the Wilder? We've people? Hunt for the Wilder people. We, okay, we, we, people we pretty regular. Boy, okay, boys, and yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you like Thor Ragnarok, go watch a good film, and you, you you'll be amazed <laughs> at how good. You'll be amazed at how many good. There's a whole world of films out there, guys. I know there are 20 Marvel movies now. You can watch. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. You could watch this one or 19 mm-hmm. others. There's whole Yeah, there's been 10 more just during whole this release. There's movies where you don't learn the names of any weapons. Uh Dubai Friday is a very good podcast. I like it. You can sure. you can hear Max on that podcast. Follow us on Twitter. It's a horrible place. I'm at A Carboni. It's Sakar. Oh my god. It's I just realized Twitter is Twitter Sakar. Twitter is Sakar. Follow an us entire, to Sakar. An entire planet designed Follow to stress to me out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm at A Carboni. I am at Chuck Wendig. Oh, I'm uh, at Max Temkin. And uh, yeah, be sure to uh, to leave us a comment and some stars. We love stars on iTunes. I eat stars. Without stars, I how will we survive? And you can email us at grandmaster at, Ragnar- at ragnatalk.com. I love you, Chuck. I love you, Anthony. I'll talk to you next you, week. Max. Bye.